East Coast DNA. I'm your host, Darcy Walsh. And today's guest, we have Sean McGilvery. Welcome, Sean. How you doing? So uh, we're here specifically today to talk about uh, All Right already, I guess. But uh, I was excited to be able to sit and talk to you even back. Well, I met you back at the ECMAs. True, yeah. Uh, you were there supporting Alicia Penny. And I... I told her that I would uh, promote her, and I changed my setup, so like I, I, I do have her CD here. Sweet, it's excellent. It's still in, it's still in rotation. It's, it's a, a very handy to me. So, awesome. So, uh, aside from that uh, cameo in the interview we had back then, I am aware of you through multiple other people. Okay, because uh, you do collaborate with quite a people outside of all right already but even all right already is a different lineup with you all the time yeah and there's quite a bit of history to the band yep but even going maybe i don't know when when the timelines overlap but uh because you're on my podcast a lot of people that i talk to that maybe don't even watch the podcast people that aren't like diehard music fans or people that have only passively seen it and they just have questions. A lot of people ask me like where I get the idea or, and people that are into this kind of thing have seen a million variations of this. Okay. But long time ago when I wasn't doing anything like this, I used to work in record stores and I was a big music fan. And then I had a young family at a young age. So I wasn't able to go out to shows as often as I would like. And the internet wasn't quite exactly what we have today, mm. but you, Trevor Murphy was one of these people too. He was somebody I was aware of as kind of a indie music media personality. Okay. Yeah. And you yourself were operating the locals forums. It's true. So did you do CB locals as well? So the whole thing started in Cape Breton. Um, yeah. And I think that, and there were ways in which Cape Bretoners were early adopters of technology that sort of lent itself to this sort of thing. Um, IRC kind of preceded lo the locals sort of network as as the sort of way of communicating that people use because there's all these sort of satellite communities in industrial Cape Breton. Like you've got like North Sydney, New Waterford, Glace Bay, Sydney Mines, and Sydney, and they're all sort of like 20 minutes to 30 minutes apart from each other. And so you've got kind of a distributed population of young people. And so the internet was a great way to do that sort of regional communication. And so this guy, Harry Doyle, I don't know if you know Harry, he's actually in a band with Alicia uh, called Static in Action. Uh, and so he and I are old, old friends uh, since junior high. We both got our sort of strats for Christmas the same year and uh, <laughs> in junior high and started playing in punk bands. And he and I both sort of independently of each other started working at computers in general so this was in like to date myself this is in you know 1995 mm -hmm. when i went on to university and like so harry was like tearing down old you know 8086 machines like monochrome monitor machines and putting them on the internet when they had never been intended for that purpose and i started learning about web development i was really fascinated with the web i didn't have any access to the internet until i went to university in 95 and then all of a sudden they had nearly unfettered access to it. I had a, like, I was lucky I had a student union job the whole time. So I had access to a computer all of a sudden, pretty much as, as often as I wanted. And so I, and web development was really simple then. 
Mm-hmm. So it was easy to kind of like read about it and, and pick it up and learn it. Uh, and so, you know, Harry and I both got into web dev uh, and he created this little blog site called CB locals and then grafted a message board onto it. Uh, and it was quite successful. And it was our way of finding out about shows because this was you know, before Facebook, um, like in the MySpace era. Right. So there wasn't really anything else that fulfilled that function and did it regionally. So that's why I think CB locals was successful and it became a sort of, you know, cultural nexus and it was never a business. Like it was never, mm-hmm. a, never a revenue stream. It was like, you know, the, the server was, uh, you know, a motherboard in a pizza box somewhere plugged into a network card. Like it was all, all very low budget. Um, and, you know, serving a small amount of people, it's, maybe it seems contrary to, you know, the internet is this sort of inherently global thing, but using it for something locally oriented was, I think, in that case, what made it successful. And so we exported that model. There was basically three of us at the core of it, like Harry Doyle's, Mike Slavin, and myself, uh, and some other folks involved too. And we set up one in, in Halifax, and I became its senior administrator when I moved to Halifax in 98, after I finished university. And so, uh, and I got right into the music scene here uh, as soon as I arrived. Um, and we started up a, a Halifax Locals, and it, I think, did pretty well. Like people would, would write to me and, and want to advertise it, and I would just, you know, on it rather than, you know, pay to advertise. On it. We even had a spot for a banner, but we just put, like, you know, show things and just, like, photos and stuff in there. We never, <laughs> it was almost like taunting people who wanted to pay to advertise on the site. Like, yeah. oh, there's a space, you just can't have it. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so that's, so I was, I was the person who kind of, like, I didn't do a lot of the dev work on it. Like, that was largely Harry. I did a lot of the, I guess the heavy lifting on the human resources side, because with locals, we always wanted the people most invested in the correctness of the information to be the ones doing the work of entering it. We wanted mm-hmm. to be, I wanted, okay, I want the promoters, the all latest promoters, you know, Condon from the pavilion and, and, you know, Greg from the Birdland or whatever, or the, the marquee at that point uh, for stage nine to be able to enter their own events into locals. And so recruiting those people and getting them involved and trying to have a current, relevant ro- roster of people uh, and some folks who were just like strictly uh, events editors like in the same way that the coast used to have one the coast used to have someone who just did the listings right the event listings so we had people doing that in a volunteer capacity too and so that's what i did uh on locals largely was recruit those people uh bring down the ban hammer of justice on the <laughs> message boards when it was when it was warranted um it was certainly the, kind of the wild west back then but uh but yeah it was superseded by other technologies uh, it's, it's, it's funny. It's only in the last year or so that I thought about like, you know, what, what if we started it up again? Like the, because the, now there isn't like, there are things that purport to do the shows and like the, the telling mm-hmm. you what the hell's going on tonight end of what locals used to do, but none of them do it very well. And none of them have broad enough adoption. Like you can't, like people don't really use Facebook for that anymore. Instagram's inherently bad at it. Twitter's inherently bad at it. Uh, so there's like song kick which is like people get sort of like finagled into using Songkick to list their shows because it integrates with Bandcamp. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been tempted to use it, but it's not the kind of thing that you could really rely on for like, I want to know the canonical of what's going on tonight. Uh, and I want to know it from the source. And so, yeah, more recently, I'm like, yeah, well, how would we go about it now? Like what I, I thought about making it a Mastodon instance. Mm-hmm. Mastodon is non-trivial to run. There's like, it's pretty, I've looked into like what's involved in actually hosting it. Like there was, there was one that started up in Halifax called HalifaxSocial.ca that like it lasted less than a year because it's expensive and onerous to operate them. Uh, the stack they use is a little, like the, the different server components are, I don't know, it's, it's a bit much uh, for a lot of people to take on. So, um, but yeah, I have thought more recently, it's almost, it's almost time again. It's almost like there mm-hmm. isn't 
because everyone started to rely on Facebook for events, right? Like it was effective. Like, yeah. Now, to, exactly to your point, now that most musicians, most of the music scene is using Instagram for communication, yeah. which is fairly convenient. Like I, I have a lot of success getting a hold of people that way. Yep. But yeah, it's not. I, I advertise all the time for the show and everything, but yeah, if if somebody's not looking that day, you have to do another ad really to catch someone's attention for a show. So then you're doing it every day. And I know myself, if I see the same ads every day, I've, eventually I don't really read anything. If there's any new information, I'm not picking it up. I, I got the gist from the last four ads, right? It's and true. that's no knock on it. It's just the way it is. So yeah, there is, there is a gap out there and there's, much like how I said, there's other people doing what I'm doing. I know that there's lists out there. There's different community websites out there. Like the coast does maintain an article that will have like for a block of time, the events in HRM, like the, the major events, but I mean, there's indie events in there too. Right. So there is a fairly yeah. good job. I find that like, yeah, the coast, I mean, it's, I used to work for the coast, uh, full disclosure. I was its production manager, uh, in mm -hmm. 2000, 2004, and it's really it's sad to see like the death of the print media industry and the way that it has taken down the alt uh, alt newspapers alt I forget what they're called now, yeah. like, I almost forget the word for them anymore you scarcely see such a thing published anymore on paper um, alt weeklies there we are so I just <laughs> I forgot the term for it but you know the and what killed a lot of those was Kijiji in ways Kijiji mm -hmm. is a lot of the bigger ones especially like the Georgia Strait from Vancouver and other bigger ones like now relied heavily on their classifieds business, uh, which really got cannibalized by Kijiji and, and Craigslist. And the coast never had that much of a well-developed classifieds business to begin with. So they were a little better insulated against the eventual tide of like, but you know, print advertising is the rest of their revenue stream pretty much. And like that's dying now because like it's yeah. expensive to do print advertising then, and you don't ever have, like for a free publication, like you don't even, you have their estimates about circulation, but you don't have any kind of assurance as to like how many people saw it, who were they? You know, your your ad spend dollar for dollar, of course, is going to be a lot more effective online. And so, yeah, so we're seeing a shrinking of those publications and a shrinking of the resources they have to bring to bear to do that critical local content. Um, yeah. And that's another of the reasons that I was like, you know, I keep looking for like, okay, where's my authoritative canonical, here's everything that's going on tonight. I only really care about four or five venues. <laughs> let's you know give me the give me the scoop uh but yeah uh and it's got to be like city oriented right and that was always kind of the model with with locals is like you know pei locals was basically charlottetown locals like it, it, it mm -hmm. functioned like, you know pei is small enough that like it would cover a number if there was a show happening in west royalty it'll be on pei locals kind of thing but uh, but it's almost like regionalized uh, and having that like the savvy of like, okay, we know what people want to find out about and we know where and when let's provide that and just that and make it easy for them is like not really a thing that, you know, it's something that Facebook happily did for for us for a long time. Mm -hmm. It did that curve of like, you know, when a social media property is on the ascent and they're investing lots of time to make it great and then they have to make it profitable and then, then it becomes, <laughs> they, they, yeah. they spend years making it worse to use. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of the platforms are on that sort of descendant curve. Mm -hmm decreasing utility and you can't get anything out of them without spending money so yeah so maybe there's time for locals again who knows who knows yeah keep keep an eye out for something there definitely is a need out there for something to at least centralize all the content that's out there because like there's there's so much it's it's hard to keep up with so true kudos to doing that back in the day and uh i do hope that i do see somebody out there doing something or 
like yourself, I also sit here and I'm like, maybe I should do something sometimes. So I, I don't know. Who knows? There's there's a, a lot of us out there that like this stuff. So I mean, somebody's eventually going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so I also wanted to get a little plug in that's tied in with your music career. But some of the people I would know of you through are not necessarily people I would mention very often on the podcast. Uh, a couple of them have been mentioned before, though. Uh, some McLeans from uh, Picto area. So oh, not far from me. Nick so, and Gavin McLean? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Legends, both of them. Yes, absolutely. So do you played with uh, Gabriel as well? Yeah, so Gabrielle Papillon is my my partner in life, the the love of my life. She's upstairs uh, tootling around right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I have at times been her drummer, her bassist, and her audio technician. Oh, wow. And and yeah, it sort of depends on it depends on the budget and what people need, because I do a lot of different things. Like I've been the technical director of the Halifax Pop Explosion and of Music Nova Scotia. Uh, so I have kind of that's and like I was a club audio technician for years. I'm also a backline technician uh, for 211 backline on occasion, you know, every once in a while when they need people. So there's all kinds of things that I've done. I play bass, drums, guitar. Uh, I don't I don't tell people I play keyboards cause, largely because it's not true. I don't play keyboards. But yeah. I, I own some. Uh, I know more about the knobs than the keys. I'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, so there's all kinds of ways I, I find uh, to be useful to Gab and to others. Uh, and, and of course, Nick uh, has been her guitarist for a long time and a really, really great, uh, gifted, dedicated, disciplined musician. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he's super, super professional about everything. Like, he's a great guy, too. He's always smiling. Oh, Love and he's him. an absolute, you know, Swiss Army knife in, in Gab's band. Like, he's just, it's a different, he's got, you know, like a, a lap steel on a stand and he's got a, a, several guitars and a, and a keyboard in front of him. And, He's singing backup harmonies, and yeah, no, he's a really, really versatile, uh, dedicated musician, and I, I'm and a really affable guy, like you said. So I'm glad he's a music educator as well. Yeah, I wouldn't see all you guys performing here in Pictou County then. I, I don't. When, well, when was the last time that happened? Gab actually just played like a quasi secret house show uh, out by her folks' place in Melbury Beach. Uh, oh, weekends ago, I think, or last weekend with uh, one of the Alcorns, one of the young. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, uh, Katie Crawchuk, I think, was the opener. Okay. And, they, and the, the show was at the, the Crawchucks are old family friends of Gab's family. Uh, and so it was like, a, and it was a going, it was a sort of a, they're selling that house. And it's a big, mm-hmm. big, big old house with a big tree up the middle of it. It's kind of, it's incredible to behold and, and a pleasure to play there. Um, so that's the last time Gab played there. She's been, we've been pretty low key uh, since the Rona. Um, Gab's mom is a double transplant recipient. Uh, no. is, on a, is on a double helping of immunosuppressants. And so, in general, we are both more aware and more careful of, of the Rona. And like I'm also, as, as you might have inferred, an enormously busy person. I don't have five to ten days to get this thing. Yeah. So I'm actually still masking everywhere. Like I um, I was out shooting video of the Weezer tribute uh, down at the Seahorse this weekend past, uh, fully N95'd the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. That's basically how I do, and there's very few restaurants I eat in these days. Uh, and I'm still like a fair bit cautious of all that stuff and so uh gab and i are both in our ways easing back into performing like i'm starting to do more shows again i'm starting to okay i'm gonna play gus's I'll, I'll wear the mask until i get on and then like actually the last time we played gus's which was a few weekends ago i my my mask got caught in my in-ears which i <laughs> oh, no. so but i took it off because i wore it right until i got there and i had my ears in already and then i took the mask off but the, the ears are through the loops of the mask and so it's hanging off the back of my head so it's been it's been a journey it's been a magical journey of discovery uh learning how to 
how to live with the Rona, I guess, and, and live with the risk. Um, and Gab has been working on a musical, actually. Gab, I, Gab and I just sat down and edited video for uh, like, like a four minute pitch video for her musical that's inspired by her song, Go Into the Night. It's basically it is a whole narrative because that song is is about the history of her family. And so she's written this musical that's like an embellished version of that story um, with all original music from Gab. Uh, and it's been really, really well received. And she's got some really great people uh, interested in it uh, here and elsewhere. Uh, so that's been the focus of her efforts for most of the last two years. She's also been doing some production stuff, actually. She's producing for some other artists now. She's branching out into that. She's got a, a studio set up actually it's so i'm in my we're both in the the basement of our sort of split entry house and so you come down the stairs and one side is is my studio which where we are right now and across the hall is hers and there's a what we call a snake so an audio bundle of cables that runs under the stairs from her space into mine so she can use my space as a vocal booth for her space basically uh, because i've got a gasketed out, outdoor door that I can close off and kind of like isolate my space. So, so yeah, so we've been working on stuff together. Like we did some, like during the height of the run of the, the lockdowns, we did some videos. I took it upon, I just figured it was time to learn video. Mm -hmm. That's why I've got all this now. Uh, and by that, I mean all of these things. Um, so yeah, so we've been busy doing this and that, but the focus for Gab for the last while has really been uh, the musical and it's, it's, so it's called Mind the Light. Uh, mm -hmm. She workshopped it with Eastern Front Theater just recently over at Albany Landing to rave reviews. I cried three times. <laughs> I was really, and I'm not a crier. Uh, so yeah, it was really, really moving. In a, and uh, it's been a really new promising direction for her creatively because she's always had this interest in musical theater. So yeah, so that's one of the reasons besides the fact that, you know, her mom is vulnerable and we are cautious of like, and there were really long periods of time, you know, when she was prepping for this workshop that she was doing and the workshop is like I, i'm learning about all this stuff now it's 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 a little it's like a like when you see the cast of a tv show doing like a first read like a table like a mm -hmm. round table almost it's sort of like that but a performance and it's mm -hmm. you know on a stage and they've got like music stands and whatever and they're like reading their lines or singing their lines and they're seated and it, so it's not blocked or anything and there isn't really wardrobe as such uh, it's just sort of a, a a run through but it's a sort of a milestone for the production's development uh, and so leading up to that, like she's got people coming in from Toronto and like all these actors involved and like there is no do it tomorrow. There is mm -hmm. no, right? It's do or die. It's got to happen. So that everyone's got to be careful. Everyone's masked in rehearsal. Everyone's, you know, doing what they can. Uh, and likewise, I had to be, you know, I was really trying to make sure that I wasn't taking like any kind of risks of, of bringing the Rona home. Like it would ruin everything. It would ruin months of work. Mm -hmm. And it would be very difficult to recover from. So, like, yeah, stakes are high uh, with that stuff. And so, so it's kind of like it's 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 caused us not to get out as much maybe as we would prefer. But like, we are we're starting to get back out now. Like, I'm starting to get playing shows again. Uh, filled in a few times this year for like cluttered and for pillow fight uh, on various instruments. Uh, in some cases, with three and a half hours notice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was I filled in for cluttered. I think last February, uh, and they yeah they it was an illness basically. Like someone was sick that day, and so I had three hours to learn 30 minutes of music but i already i had shot some video for them already so i had some familiarity with it so it wasn't as bad as all that and it was just basic but but yeah so getting out there again but it's it's been a it's been a journey and just kind of like dipping my toes and just like seeing what i can get away with seeing how careful can i be within reason mm -hmm. what kinds of things like can i do gusses can i you know it's a big crowded room with probably not amazing hvac so like who knows but so far so good yeah i i've grown reaccustomed to going out myself but 
I'm still getting used to having colds because I, I, I didn't for so long. And I will say, like, it's notable. East Coast DNA is Darcy and Andrew, and there's been no Andrew on here for months. And that's a casualty of COVID because he has long-term symptoms. Really? So, I mean, he's okay, but he can only do so much in a day. So that's he a- just, he has less time in a day than he used to, basically. So, I mean, that sucks. Like, you know yourself, like, he, he was quite busy, like, doing this and a couple other shows and full-time paramedic, oh, a wow. husband and a father. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, it uh, it is it is something that I was super cautious with myself. So, I do see people. I did notice that you had the mask on back in May. And actually, I've seen Gabrielle. We don't know each other, but I've, I've seen her out with Tara thorn actually uh from dance movie yeah <laughs> to bring it right back around yeah yeah yeah. is she involved at all in the theater production tara uh i know except for like sort of moral support and yeah and yeah a bit of of a, of a second set of ears the odd time i don't think but which is funny but i mean tara's also been like the in the same way that the musical theater thing has opened up for gab i mean i think the film thing has really opened up for tara like she's mm-hmm. Like finding an audience uh, for her voice, which is awesome. Um, Gab Gab's been making her way through G- uh, Tara's book, uh, Low Road Forever. Uh, it's on, been on her been on her nightstand for a while, and she's she's making her way through it. Um, and I think that uh, you know the rock and roll thing is like I love the this you know playing with dance movie. Um, we had a lot of fun making the last record, uh, and it's a great bunch of people. And I wish I got to spend more time with them. Uh, but in terms of you know what's commanding. Tara's attention and rewarding her attention. You know what I mean? Like the, the she's really like the, the her film is great. Obviously, uh, Compulsus, fantastic, fantastic film. Uh, and I I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that because I have terrible taste in films. And I usually <laughs> so I've seen more than one Transformers movie in the theater. So maybe I should maybe I should hush up about that. But I did think it was great. Um, can so you maybe, reword that so she can actually put a tag on there that you said that if you like Transformers, you'll like this movie. Oh God, she will skin me alive. I can't. I know because I never speak of this again. <laughs> her and I don't know each other, but I, I know of her mostly from her podcast that she had. Okay. And we did meet once, so she wouldn't be surprised by this statement. I, I mentioned it to her. I I know from listening to that, like she doesn't like my stereotype in general when she talks. Like so I'm like, I don't have, and <laughs> I don't have a place to get in on a conversation there. So at the time when I started doing this, like I was full tilts, like comic book stuff all the time. Nice. And on her podcast, she like hates people that like superhero movies. And right near the end of her podcast, she was, she took a shot at a couple small towns for a tour. Okay. And one of them's Neglasco, which is where I'm from. Right on. <laughs> but that said, I'm aware of a lot of people that know all of you guys. And I've only ever heard great things about her. So I'm I'm a fan of Tara, even though I don't think that she would probably find very much appealing about the person on the other end of the camera right now. Well, I'll I'll change that someday. Maybe she'll hear this and someday I, we'll I, meet. I'll, I'll vouch for you. How about that? I'll put in a good word for you. There you go. Good good <laughs> on you. Yeah, no, I I am a fan of her, so I, I would uh, I would like to change that at some point. So going on to like I said, you had multiple backups with your all right already project. Terra being so, one. Yeah, 
So who is with you now? Because it, when was the last time you had a, anything out? Was it a couple of years ago now? Oh, I mean, so the I am I am ponderously slow at producing music. Uh, mm-hmm. re- recording process is probably my least favorite part of the process, which I know is not true for a lot of people. I'm more of a performer. I, I write. I enjoy writing. I'm not an especially prolific writer, and I don't th- I don't do it for a living. And that's you know, I've, I've always kind of thought that, like, I, I usually have some kind of other gig on the go that, that pays the bills, and then it affords me the latitude to do what I want creatively. So I don't feel obliged to release regularly. I don't feel obliged to put something out I'm not fully happy with. Uh, and to that end, I turd polished this record for like eight years. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and, and I hadn't, so the, the, the first, this record, this band used to be called Great Plains, and mm-hmm. that band put a record out in 2008, or seven or eight. Uh, that actually made the Polaris long list. The, the long list was a different affair. Then it was, it was a, a much longer list, basically, and they didn't publish it. Um, and, and then they, they made the long list be a thing to have there be more uh, anticipatory rollout promo-y stuff, I think, after the fact. But So we made that record with uh, with Jay LaPointe, and it was uh, Lockie McDonald and Jeffers Lennox, who are friends of mine. Jeffers, that was one of the only bands he was ever in in Halifax. He was here going to school. He's now a, a professor in the States, uh, has his Ph.D., brilliant guy uh historian and Lockie mcdonald's been in lots of punk bands he's from cape breton as well there's usually some cape breton connection to some of the folks in the band and it's been a ton of people over the years like since then it's been like you know andrew wiseman and simon outfit uh and jason botour of course for years on guitar jason zito from last culture noble uh, on bass uh adam warren we you know him as wants now uh also on drums i think for a while uh yeah there's been all kinds of of people i think andrew wiseman's played two different instruments in the band uh, there's so there's been all kinds of folks, uh, but now it's Dylan Mumberkett and AJ Bootlier. Uh, so Dylan from Broke One Eight Two, I guess, is is probably his, his mm-hmm. best project right now. Uh, they played lots of uh, or a few anyway East Coast emo nights, uh, both here and you know in in Moncton and some other locations in in Brunswick, and did quite well with that. Uh, he's also you know a Cape Bretoner like myself, uh, and then AJ of course is in Designosaur and Book Buddies, and he plays I think some bass and some bass synth for Wants and plays for i'm trying to think uh he's in cluttered and he's in out of controller is he in that too? yeah 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 like the he's it's like we're all like we like all of us in the band sort of have this reputation as being you know uh, how, how should i put it delicately like um musically promiscuous i guess the, yeah yeah well like, Ma- maddie grace has been on here maybe three times if it's not three times i'll get a hold of maddie and we'll make it three times so i'm right oh but, great yeah so i'm they, i'm aware of AJ and Dylan mostly through Maddie, I guess. Totally. And speaking of people who are <laughs> musically promiscuous yeah, yeah, and yeah, prolific, yeah. I, I can't, there can't be a more, she is so, the way she just, especially during the pandemic, like especially once the pandemic kicked off, she just started smashing out entire records, entire projects, boom, 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 boom. Okay, I put five records out this year, or six records, it's just like, what? And I'm still, I, like, I got through some of the guitar tracking on my record this year, like, I <laughs> I think. So yeah, so she, so she and I couldn't be further apart in terms of, of our output, I don't think, in terms of how much yeah. she's producing versus myself, but, um, but yeah, so it took a long time. Uh, we did put out a little two-song EP in, oh, I must have been, 2013 or 14 okay uh, two songs pink and orange and harmony uh which were songs that sort of like probably could have gone on on the first record home of the new totem uh but weren't weren't complete at that point i wasn't ready to record them so 
So put those out. We had ambitions of doing a, a seven inch, but it never came to fruition. So it's just a Bandcamp two song release. And yeah, and that brings us basically up to the current that we, we had a few uh, compilation appearances. So the, the Thrush Hermit tribute comp, we had we did Pink is the Color, which is a really old Thrush Hermit song. And we also did a cover of Regret on the Plum Tree tribute record, uh, which they're a huge influence on me. Like the one thing I'll mention about the record is it is entirely electric 12 string. There's no six. Yeah. Count. And it's and it's four different electric twelves that I use because it's, it's all I play now. Basically, I do have some sixes, but I went I went for a while without really owning a solid body six. I went years without owning one, even though that's what I came up on. I just got really into twelve and just I, I'm enjoying. It makes my kind of not so adventurous playing sound more adventurous. <laughs> like little yeah. single runs kind of sound more impressive. So it suits my playing. I'm more of a rhythm player, but yeah, uh, it, it it we I, I do go a long time between releases. I've got stuff in the kitty now. I've got two songs, more or less, like written, ready to go, and like I'm working on bits of others I've been accumulating over the last few years. But I've felt guilty working on them almost. I'm like, no, I got to finish this damn record. Uh, and so the record is me on every instrument, which is one of the reasons it took so long. Uh, so I, you know, wrote, produced, performed, recorded, mixed everything, but mastered basically. I took it to Jayla Point for mastering, which I'm really glad I did because being able to go to the person who's mastering your record and hear his beautiful environment. He has this Northward Acoustics built environment out of his mastering studio that's fantastic and I'm really glad. And we, we, we did go through one or two rounds of, of changes because uh, I did have very specific things I was looking for. So, uh, but I'm really happy with the result. Really glad I chose him to do it. Um, but everything else except for the guest appearances is me. So it's a lot when you're, you're running tape for yourself too. So yeah. that, that dynamic is, it's good because you have utter privacy and you don't worry about messing up and you can just kind of like get into that, especially for vocal takes. I really prefer it for vocal takes, just being able to t do them on my own time. But when you don't have a deadline, mm -hmm. as long as you want. And so I did. <laughs> and then some. Yeah, I, I give myself uh, arbitrary deadlines that I assume from the person I've interviewed. Now, you do what September 1st is your release date? Yeah, so that's when the record comes out. Uh, we'll be releasing it completely to Bandcamp. It's available for pre-order right now on Bandcamp, and you can hear two songs right off the hop. Uh, I'm encouraging people to wishlist it for the first because it is Bandcamp Friday, and that's one of the reasons I picked it. Uh, it's really going to be a focus for us. We're actually withholding the record from Spotify and Amazon. Most artists are in a position where they need the exposure or they need the revenue or one of the two they need the, they just need that number to, to be high for you know for applying for grants or whatever mm -hmm. i don't really need any of those things this is very much a labor of love and I, I just don't have to and so there's all kinds of people who aren't really in that position like if you're in like a sweat equity band and like one person wants to withhold it from spotify and the others don't like it's it's tricky because there is revenue and there is exposure and arguably there's more value in spotify as a portal as a discovery portal than there is as a revenue stream but I just I just don't have to, and I think that Daniel Eck is trash, and I think the way he has devalued art, I can't. It's difficult to think of any one person who has devalued music more, like one person, than uh, than Daniel Eck, and so we're just not. I'm we're pushing it to title um, because we think that they remunerate artists more fairly, and other and every other I checked every other individual little obscure regional only you know streaming platform on mm -hmm. on TuneCore or whatever it was i used to push it to those services but i did not check the spotify box or the amazon box and i don't plan to i'm going to try and stick to my guns and i don't think anything will change because of it but i just feel better about it because again so many people are not really in a position where they can do that for a variety of reasons so yeah you're 
you're not the only person I've had on here that has had basically the same statements as, as, as far as those platforms. I, I have heard that Title is probably paying back the, the best. And yeah. Spotify, well, most recently I've heard a few times and I've seen some, I've seen what some people have gotten paid and I'm like, well, that's not, that's not worth the effort. It's, it's pitiful. To your point, that's not why you do it. If that's the kind of money you're getting, like that's not really why you're doing it. So you don't want to put too much effort into just forcing it down that one area. Yeah. And we don't really have international ambitions either. Like I don't mm -hmm. myself, like doing and having worked in the industry for so long, like when I worked at Music Nova Scotia as its technical director, you know, you're on the industry side at that point, you're seeing that part of it and like the B2B festival part of it and how it works on the inside. And like the, like, yeah, I don't need to play for international buyers. I don't think I just don't have the ambition to like, you know, I have a full-time job. I can't really go tour a record. Mm -hmm. I can't devote the time that I think people will be looking for and it will be necessary to go to that level with it. And so, you know, we're just, we're going to play some regional shows. We're going to put some music out. Uh, and that's kind of all I'm looking for. So like, I don't really need to, there's a lot of the hoops, you know, there's people who are much more, they have higher ambitions for their music career. Um, oh yeah. People that are in a position again, where they have to do these things. There's all kinds of additional things they have to do, like degrading things they have to do that I don't have to do. So I'm really trying to live it up in terms of, of, of how I'm just going to do whatever I want. And it, you know, even in terms of releasing the record, like the other aspects of like promo and whatever, it seems like, and from talking to Trevor Murphy, who you mentioned, like the, the, the artist has gone out of the music press almost in ways. Like it's not like he, I feel like I talked to him and like, he was so frustrated with like, it's so hard to predict what kind of uptake you're going to get if you start working a record uh, to the, the sort of what, you know, what, what qualifies as the music media these days that it's just like, it's, it's, it feels like a dishonest promise to make to people. And you, and uh, so it's, so that, that in ways it's like, cause I have a lot of old, like, Oh, well, you put your 75 CDs in the padded mailers and you mail them to the campus radio station. I'm old as hell. Right. So like, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I'm yeah. still like, we aren't doing, we don't have a near term plan to do physical units for this record, but, but I digress. Like we, you know, I had, I had very dated ideas of what you do to promote a record. So I'm relearning all that stuff. Now I'm learning about like, okay, this, you know, you gotta push this stuff to tune core and the, the earshot distro and like these sorts of things, and like finding out how this stuff works and like relearning all these things in the same way. I kind of like relearned recording as I was doing it. Cause I had done recording in like 2003. I had a little project studio at the pavilion. Mm -hmm. where myself and Seth Smith from Dog Day would produce records for like punk bands uh, in exchange for like really, really cheap. Like we didn't pay any rent basically. Uh, it was a pretty awesome deal and we made some some fun records. And so, but I hadn't touched it in a while. I hadn't touched it in years when I came back to like, okay, it's time to work up a recording workflow and, you know, get a DAW and get a sound card and get, you know, get all these things that I hadn't had for a long time. So lots of lots of getting back on the horse with this this project, but I, I got there eventually. <laughs> probably slower than most so will you be able to do any like i know you you just said like you're not looking to do like any big type of tour type thing off it but and i imagine with a large gap besides learning the ropes on how the whole distribution stuff works and the marketing works and all that type of thing you have to build the audience back up again there'd be a lot of people that remember the name yeah, and people I, know who you are, but to build up a public audience outside of your core associations that would show up to the show, you got to rebuild that. But do you even have plans to perform live since it was you that recorded oh yeah. everything? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the that's and that's one of the fun things about 
the band is that I get to hear like someone else's interpretation of like, <clears throat> but you get these permutations, you get these interesting because like I, I really like the thing where you know you change the song up in a very deliberate way in the live presentation so that the, people are sort of getting something additional. Like it's not like going and, and just hearing the CD. It's like you're adding value to it for them. Mm -hmm. So I like that and I love the way that the live band brings that because it's because you know yes i played all the parts on the record but like and they learned them and then they become permuted over time because you know you just people are imperfect and they make creative changes and and that's one of the coolest things about it so absolutely we have plans to play live uh i'm just not gonna go do reaper bomb like yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Just, I'm not gonna go i'm not gonna do the like i'm not gonna go play north by northeast i don't care like i don't have to i don't have to go to the the, the festival of broken dreams and <laughs> and degrade myself and and make a bunch of flyers and watch them be trampled on the floor of the the hotel like i don't have to do it other people have to do that and go and cry in their hotel rooms i don't want to um so i don't have to uh but we i want to play regional shows i want to do like you know pei moncton Fred, mm -hmm. sydney obviously i'm from sydney dylan's from sydney um we're we've applied for gobble fest shout out gobble fest <laughs> program us please uh, uh, this is going to be on caper radio at some point too so ah, amazing yeah. i Got my start in. I I put in a few uh, at Campus Radio actually at at CAPR like right when they moved into their new building and um, and before then when they were in a little a little janitorial closet they had walled off uh, a little booth into. Um, yeah, no, I really uh, really fondly remember my times at, at CBU uh, as a as a student and as a Campus Radio participant. I got involved. I was involved in some of the first gobble fests on the production side. Um, and that's a festival that actually is longer running than Celtic Colors, if you believe it. Oh yeah, I actually. We're gonna get cut off here in less than. All right, and we're back. All right. All right. So uh, yeah, we had an interruption in our conversation due to the duration of these Zoom calls. At some point, I'll have to find a way to be able to actually pay for all my subscriptions so I can have these calls a little bit longer. And for anyone out there listening to this that wants to be on one of these, you're also welcome to sit on my couch here in Glasgow for anyone that feels obliged to drive down. When we did have sunny weather, I had a couple takers that drove down. We did some outside ones. But then this summer in Nova Scotia has been, like, since the wildfires, it's been nothing but rain. It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. I guess people prayed for rain and they sure got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't complain. It's a, we we definitely needed it at the time. So, it's true. yeah. So uh, you have the new album coming out, and probably by the time some people are listening to this, it's out right now. So feel free to hit pause and go listen to that and come back. We took a quick little break, so you can too. And you were talking about uh, live performances at one point. There, we we're talking. So do you? know anybody in particular that you want to be playing with or do you have people lined up already to play with or is it a little like, premature uh, you mean like other bands to play with no uh like it's part of your band to perform with you to perform the album oh well yeah it would be dylan and aj yeah yeah for all of it yeah i mean the i so here's what i did i wrote second guitar parts for the whole record and now i miss them and i don't hear them and so now i ostensibly have to recruit another guitarist i've been trying to get by with looping i've been trying to get by with like looping the rhythm part and playing the lead part mm -hmm. kind of stuff in the live shows with varying levels of success we have a bunch of craziness going on with with dylan's setup and my setup or like my pedal board when i change presets to the next song it tells his 
metronome what the tempo of the song is and tells my looper which loop to pull up because some of the loops but some of the songs have like a little playback that begins the song uh and others i try to loop some of the rhythm part transparently while i'm playing and then when i go for like a lead or a, a melodic part i play back the little sample uh and so there's ostensibly some skill in it and you're not just playing to playback mm -hmm. but i'm not that skillful at it so <laughs> i will probably end up uh, going back to, to having a second guitarist, uh, Jason Votor was our second guitarist for a for years, but he got really busy uh, with Jesse Brown and some other folks. So, so we parted ways, uh, and that was uh, right as we were about to record his guitars. Uh, so I sort of like I was like, oh well, now I need to put guitars on this record now. So I guess I need to write those parts, and so I did. Uh, and I'm happy with how that came out, um, and I, I'm happy about the record being 100% 12 string. Uh, it's a point of a point of pride for me. Um, but yeah, so we probably are going to have to recruit someone to play second guitar. Uh, and now that I have all these amazing women's voices on the record, too, I, I, I'm inclined for that person to be a woman. So uh, yeah, so I've got some some thinking to do and some recruiting. Uh, and I have some some people I would ask, you know, if, if I had my druthers, of course, but Lots of, there's lots of great guitarists out there. I don't know how many of them have twelve string guitars. I could I could I could spare one. I have I have four electrics, so I could I could spare them one for a while if they wanted to borrow one. But but yeah, so maybe uh, if there's anyone out there who's feeling like doing some singing and, and some twelve string in, in a loud band, uh, that's complicated. Hit me up. And so we did mention uh Leisha earlier in the interview, well, right off the beginning of the interview, I guess. But uh she's on this as well. Yeah, so she sings on Oh My, which is one of the two songs that is available right now on Bandcamp that you can listen to. And Alicia and I have been musical collaborators for a long time. I would sing backups for her band Yellow, and she and I and Carolyn Leone, all of us from Cape Breton, would do this sort of Christmas show where we kind of all get together and, and play. Each of us would do a solo set. We would play a few songs together. So, yeah, I've been collaborating with her for a long time, and she asked me to play drums on her most recent record, which you held up earlier in the podcast, which was a lot of fun. And my, I think that was the second time I phoned in a, a drum performance from what you see here, basically. So this is my drum streaming setup, and it's multi-track audio for all the mics and everything. And so it's actually not a big deal to just record what I have, and I've got pretty good sounding multi-trackers so some things i could do to treat the room i've got a few uh panels back here like some show you. like so back back here behind me you can see some acoustic panels and there's there's some more elsewhere in the room too but yeah it's a it's a pretty decent setup uh, i did the we should have been plumbers record which is jillian and kim from like a motorcycle their project uh, so i did the drums for that the same way that was the the trial run i suppose and then i, I did that kind of thing again like just recorded they, they sent me an instrumental and i played along to it and sent them back waves uh, for Alicia's record. That's Jamie Folds who produced and or engineered it anyway, actually. I think I would argue that, that Alicia, Alicia produced it, but, uh, but he, uh, he mixed it. Um, he, I think it was, they co-produced it. I'm not, I'm not clear, but anyway, so yeah, so she's fantastic and has an incredible voice and I really wanted to have her somewhere on here. And, and this in, in my view was, was the right use of her voice. Uh, and so that's one of the songs you can hear now. And it's about my, my broken down van and one of my one of my favorite uh i guess it's a, i don't know if it's a metaphor so i use the i don't know if you know about the greek humors like the there was like four fluids in your body that that the greeks believed had certain properties uh and i use that as like a metaphor for the for the varying fluids in a, in a vehicle and what they mean and then their colors they kind of match up so 
One of, one of my favorite little uh, lyrical turns of phrase I think that I've ever written, but and and Elise's performance is, is fantastic, and it's I call it my bro country song. It's a, it's about a broken down a broken down vehicle. Um, so yeah, so so she's on there, and Maura Whitman, who's a, sort of a pop sensation, is on the other song that's available now on Bandcamp, which is called "Run Like Pomplona," and that's a song about cycling with traffic, which I did for a long time. I was a commuter cyclist for quite a long time here in Halifax. And it's quite dangerous and I've had some collisions with cars on the bike. And so I wrote, I actually wrote that song for a songwriting competition. HRM sponsored a cycling related songwriting competition, <laughs> very niche contest uh, and myself. And I don't know if you know Archie Gillis. Uh, Archie is I think the inventor or, or developer of like a, this guitar, this microtonal guitar that you can move the frets around on or move capos around. Okay. It's a, whole a whole thing but he he was the winner of the contest uh his song i think was more accessible um and, and more uplifting it was, didn't talk about it anyway because like you know pomplona is also a song in memory of my friend kyle mcmullen who, who died on a bike in the halifax rotary the rmdl rotary uh years and years ago he kyle was a uh, an mc and and b-boy like uh like break dancer uh, who I knew from Glace Bay, who moved up here, who was tragically killed uh, on his bike. And so that song is his, in his memory and, and makes reference to him and his, his old graffiti tag, Aziz. And so it's it's more of a heavy piece of music, and it's complicated. There's conflicting things happening in the chorus where I'm singing and Mora singing at the same time, but we're singing different things that line up together at the end, and the mm -hmm. words are almost the same words. So it kind of dips in and out, and it's a... It's it's a, it's a lot going on, and I, I try to have there be a lot going on in the music in general. And so yeah, so that's and 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 Mora is like again very much a pop star. So it's not it's not the kind of thing that you would hear Mora on. She's a fantastic voice. Obviously. Yeah, I'm aware of her. She actually one of her uh, one of our live shot performances on our playlist on the YouTube channel is of her, and I'm aware of her as the pop artist. So I. I was excited to see her name on there, so I was interested to to hear the song. But when I listened to it, I was like, "Well, that's her, but that's not what she does." So I I was a little surprised, happily surprised. But how did like did you approach her saying I like I did approach her and I approached her because she's a cyclist. She's a, a, ah. a competitive cyclist, right? I think and I think in in a few disciplines, I think like MTB and road, if I'm not mistaken. I, I forget if she does road competitively, but I know she does MTB. And yeah, so I wanted someone with that connection mm -hmm. to the song personally. Uh, and I love what she does. I, I became aware of her when I was working at Music Nova Scotia, when she put out, um, there was a single called Roulette that she put out that I was like, ah, this rips, this sounds great. Um, so yeah, so I was really happy to have her on there. Uh, and also, so Katie Wayne and Katie Lamon. So Katie Wayne from Shelly uh, and Katie Lamon from like a motorcycle. Uh, are both on a song called By the Numbers, uh, where they're doing their like screamy hardcore thing. Because I got sort of like force fed a bunch of hardcore at like the height of the Halifax hardcore scene at the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. and so I developed an appreciation for that music uh, through little choice of my own. <laughs> I just didn't didn't know. I just like signed. I showed up one day at the pavilion, and and Condon, the legendary Condon McLeod, was there, and I talked to him about doing some audio. I think I was like twenty or twenty one at the time, and he hired me as their sort of volunteer audio technician. And I proceeded to be very immediately directly confronted with with hardcore music that I had to pay very close attention to and try to make sound good in a concrete box with very young people with very loud amplifiers. But it was a really formative time for our music scene, especially the all ages part of it. Like you, like that kind of all ages show is almost unheard of now. You're talking about like you know 200 kids on a regular basis at an all ages show just losing their minds. Like incredible hardcore bands. 
Uh, it was a really, really big scene here at the time. And so I got to be part of that. And so there's that element of, of what I do creatively now, because I'm kind of all over the place. I've played with lots of singer-songwriters. I've been classified as drummer. Um, I've played in other rock bands. I was in Ruby Jean and the Thoughtful Bees, uh, which was like an experimental like dance band with Colin from Scientists of Sound. So I'm kind of all over the place. There's all kinds of things I'm interested in musically, and I can't ever find one project that kind of covers it all. So I end up doing all these different things, and so you hear all those different influences on the records. So, uh, so yeah, the two Katies uh, doing doing some awesome Alexis on Fire hype person screams on numbers, and then Alana York uh, sang on a song called Leviathan. And Leviathan's not the Leviathan in the story is is a sort of a metaphor in the in the song is a metaphor for urbanization. It's a metaphor for people being drawn to Toronto, basically. Um, which is funny and didn't, I, I feel like it aged poorly because now everyone's moving home <laughs> because it's mm -hmm. expensive to live in Toronto. So I feel like it, it didn't age as well as some of the songs might have. Uh, but Alana is, uh, or has been among other things, a marine biologist. Um, and she actually had a pretty gnarly scuba accident years and years ago. Um, so I, knowing that it was a sort of a, that it had this sort of like marine biology kind of angle to the song. And there's like, there's all kinds of things that, in my mind, it's a squid. I don't think the original Leviathan's a squid. There's all kinds of different Leviathans in a literary sense, but um, but I wanted her involved for that reason, and I and her voice was the right choice again for the song. Um, she had a stroke recently, like last year, uh, that she is recovering from, and I've been in touch with her and sent her the record, and she's doing well. There's a video that the QE2 put out about her recovery that you can go watch on YouTube, and I am hoping to involve her and the other guest performers uh, in a in a some kind of release show at some point where ideally everyone who sang on the record also plays and the last guest of course is 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 Tara Thorne uh, from Dance Movie uh, again another longtime collaborator of mine I played on like the first and or the second Dance Movie record and this and the most recent one mm -hmm. um, and so again varying roles I think like drums I'm trying to think what did I do on the first Dance Movie record it was bass bass on the on the on the second record and then drums on on the most recent ones. And I guess I've been the drummer of record of, of that band for a while now. But yeah, so I really, and, and Tara's voice is among my favorites in Halifax. And, and again, I met Tara through the coast, like not necessarily through performing music, but through journalism and through just, you know, seeing her at the office and, uh, and then, you know, was pleasantly surprised by how awesome she is musically. Cause you know, you have a music journalist getting into performing. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of ways that could go, but you know she's enormously talented, great writer. We have a lot in common musically in terms of we both love Tori Amos. <laughs> We're both huge oh, yeah. Tori Amos fans. Um, it's like a fifty-fifty split on the podcast. If I mention her to somebody, they're either a big fan or they're like, I'm not. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I mean, she sort <laughs> of, you know, she came to prominence like you know twenty years ago now. Yeah, so sort of like it's a, kind of like almost like Patty Smith or somebody like that, or like. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else from that era um, who might not have as much prominent. I mean, obviously, like, Tori's fans are very dedicated, and there are still lots of them. Um, and she still tours. Um, yeah, I saw recent stuff, so she's she's still active. Totally. So, yeah, so I got to be involved with some, you know, I got to exactly like who I wanted on each of the songs uh, in terms of, of guest appearances. Uh, and, yeah, just kind of just give, you know, do the things I can't do. Like, like these are voices I can't be, right? So... So that's that's kind of why I wanted to have them involved. And did you pick females just to counter your own male voice, or is it because oh, it's, it's more so the opposite? 
that's a thing I can't do, right? That's the yeah. you know, I, I can I can be I can sound like me, but I can't sound like them. Like that's the yeah. Thing. And yeah, that yeah. that was my choice in um, or my motivation for choosing them. I think is like, well, these this is the you know these are the things I can't really do. Like I don't really have a very convincing scream, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. I can do it for a few minutes. I can I can fake it. And I used to when there used to be rocking for dollars. I used to have an improvisatory metal band with Jason Botour. I would play drums and and sing, and he would play guitar. So he can legitimately play metal. But I can't do any, like, metal is a whole other, I don't think people realize this about metal, it is a whole other level of discipline and athleticness and, you know, esoteric knowledge and, like, you you can't really be a slouch, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't really, like, you know, it's just it's just a higher level of, like, you know, metal band guys, like, if you share a spot, like, a rehearsal spot with a metal band, like, if you go there, like, on a Saturday night at 9pm, they're there practicing, I mean, they're having a few, but they're they're practicing, and mm-hmm. you aren't. You're just there to pick your gear up or whatever. Um, so, or I, I wasn't. I'm not as yeah. disciplined as they are. I guess is what I mean to say. But, um, yeah. So, it's really, yeah. It's a, it's a completely different kind of affair, I guess. Yeah, I definitely. I would say, my experiences would be similar. That I, I have friends that are metal musicians and even though i have a lot of friends that don't like that type of music if i ever get them out to a show they always end up mesmerized you gotta respect by, the yeah like it's like yeah there's there, there's a huge amount of skill there whether whether or not the final product something that somebody's individually interested in is different but yeah the, the talent stuff in there you, you can't get away from that and do you plan to be exploring different sounds and since you have all that background or you're I, getting to flex everything with all right already? I am. I'm, I, I still think that there isn't really one project that kind of gives me the full, like, it's just, it would be hard to make something cohesive. I think that that touched on everything I kind of want to do because mm-hmm. it is everything from like very heavy music to, you know, like, Becca from Book Buddies and I have been messing around with some like kind of electronic songs lately. Like we're both like we both like electronic music. I'm discovering a lot of electronic music through doing the live drum streaming, like through taking requests. I got a lot of requests for, you know, grimy dubstep and like, you know, other EDM genres too. And so I'm learning a, b- a bunch of that stuff. And I kind of enjoy it in general. Like I enjoy like D and B and jungle a lot. Um, and so I'm kind of like rediscovering some of my my interest in that. But like there I don't think there's ways for all that stuff to fit together in one project. So I'm no. trying. You know, with like, with all right, all right, already. I kind of I want it to be literary, like I want it to be wordy. Um, I want the I want the lyrics to kind of like mean things, and I want there to be twelve string, and I want there to be kind of there's there's these elements of like bossa nova almost that pop up again, mm-hmm. like just rhythmically. Like it's very rhythmic music. I start with a rhythm guitar part uh, and a rhythm in mind usually, and that's the that's the core of like how the songs start. And so yeah, I wanted to have this like they're sort of characteristics i want the music to have basically and so i'll still i think be trying to work within those parameters i think this record is heavier than the last one was um like the last one was more along the lines of it i think it was kind of like people kind of thought of it as like a like Uyghur thens or uh hawksley workman which i know is a weird comparison but in terms of like rock singer songwriters mm-hmm. there you know what i mean i think that's because the songs tended to be a little more literary and less like hey hey rah rah like you know like I want, I want the lyrics to be substantial, uh, and so, and that isn't always the case with this kind of music. Sometimes it is, but, but, um, but yeah. So that was, 
something I wanted about it and something that I continue to want to do with it. Um, but yeah, so I still have to do all kinds of other projects, basically. I'm still wanting to, like Gab and I have been talking about doing some duo shows together where I'll play my upright electric bass and, and back her up. Um, and yeah, like the electronic thing with, with Book Buddies and, and or with Becca, I guess. We've talked a little bit about that. Um, I still, I'm still interested in doing like, I'd love to pick up a ba- an electric bass gig. I got, a, I got a sweet bass a while back and I don't really have a, a regular use for it right now. So yeah, there's still all kinds of things that I, I think I will need to do to completely fill out my sort of musical desires. I don't think there's any one project that's ever going to do it. But with new sounds, like, I don't know, I'm just kind of kind of take this whatever formula that I have for this band and just sort of like see it to fruition, I suppose, whatever that ends up being. Like more more songs that are like complicated, kind of rocking with some a lot of words in them. <laughs> yeah, you did something with Laser Mortis back not that's, long that's ago. You mentioned that back then. With Monica, yeah, from Laser Mortis, or Monica, who is Laser Mortis. So we, mm-hmm. uh, I played one of her songs on the stream and sent her, I posted the video to Instagram and sent it to her. And she wrote to me and she wanted me to, I think, play drums on one of the songs that she's working on for the record. And I gave it a few listens and I'm like, I hear vocals. And I just, I wrote vocals and, and recorded them and sent them to her. And so we're working on a little collaboration now too uh where i think she's kind of like picking at various aspects of the record because she's like she is more recently i think maybe thinking about incorporating vocals into her music more because like she's Mm -hmm. largely an instrumental artist um i did audio for her show at propeller arcade recently i've been back into doing some live audio again uh for select clients Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) of which she is one and and she put on a great show uh, for the folks and, and the tunes are great uh, she played the song that we're working on as an instrumental but yeah there are words for it now it's called beyond the veil uh i think it still remains to be seen like it's still in development like, so we, we might still change direction and go back to drums with it um mm-hmm. it remains to be seen but uh but yeah she's she's an artist i'm really excited about because I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of sort of like synth wave stuff lately like i'm really into like this is a, a carpenter brute hoodie i'm wearing right now uh big synth wave artist from france and then gunship i'm super into gunship uh, other bands like Perturbator to a less a lesser extent. Um, so yeah, so that those kind of sounds are interesting to me as well. Like that the '80s nostalgia stuff is obviously a big. It's it, a very easy way to manipulate me <laughs> sonically because yeah. uh, the nostalgia value is, is the Stranger Things value is certainly there. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited about what hap- what might happen with that uh, project and what's going to happen for Monica because I think she's a great uh, great artist and she has a, a great uh, vision for what she does. And I didn't mention it when you were talking about it, but I heard that Rockin' for Dollars is back. What? Yeah, like in the really? last like month or so. In one of my one of my interviews uh not too long ago, somebody mentioned that it was it was a thing again. Where is it? So I, I think at Gus's. At Gus's, really? I think, but I, I, I don't I'm not gonna confirm that because I know people that do watch this go there and would know. So if it's CJ or somebody, like, send me an email and come on the show and we'll talk about it because a lot of people that watch the show would go if they knew what was happening for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll see CJ tomorrow night, so I'll ask him because I'm, I'm yeah. judging the uh, Pavilion Battle of the Bands tomorrow night. It will have already awesome. happened, of course, by the time this comes out. But uh, happy to see the Pavilion starting up again. Again, I was involved for years. Like, I mm-hmm. got involved uh, in 1998 uh and was on and off various you know positions on their board when they became a non-profit there was their audio technician i i helped build their stage uh you know i was involved for for quite a long time probably about 18 years actually i was involved with the pavilion and so i'm glad to see it 
starting up again, I'm glad to see the lighthouses involved because I think, you know, the pavilion originally was a, an HRM rec program with like mm-hmm. a funding rec department and like a salary for, for the person running it. And like, and I think it was really important. And I mean, it was always a bad fit because the rec people don't really get it. Like mm-hmm. they're sports people, right? Like in the same way that like, you know, I've worked in a few hockey rinks now producing shows like, you know, for Music Nova Scotia, you're working at like the Rath East Link Center, for example, in, in Truro. And the sports people are kind of like in charge and like there's a lot about the music side of it that is a bit unfamiliar to them. They're like, what do you mean we have to pull all the glass out? <laughs> you know, like the, when you well, it's like, well, you have to, it's going to sound like ass. So, yeah. like, so that's the thing. Like, and it's the same thing with the rec program that like the, the, the sports people don't really know what to do with it. Uh, and that's who your rec department is for the most part. So mm-hmm. they eventually like, they cut they cut it as a program, and there was problems with the building. Like the the fire people freaked out about the building because it it had no civic address and it had no crash bar and some of the doors. There was some some code violations, and they shut the whole thing down in two thousand three. Uh, and that was the end of it as an HRM rec program. But then it started up again as a nonprofit. Well, at first it was it, it was run as a private business for a while, where someone was renting the space basically from the city and. and okay. And then it became a nonprofit uh, for a while, and you know had a, a board of directors as as you do. Uh, and then they lost the building, obviously. Uh, so now they're starting to do some programming at the lighthouse, which is a space I'm kind of excited about in general. I think it's good to have a culture incubator like that, mm-hmm. like, like you know, Music Nova Scotia's in there, and like there's a bunch of other arts organizations in there. Um, so yeah, I think it, that's a cool space. That even though it's a dilapidated building in ways, uh, they're putting some work into it to improve it. I think, and so. And I can't wait to. We're actually we're actually also going to play there. Oh, uh, awesome! Have a show books now that isn't announced yet, but we're going to be playing. Uh, I should check the date out of my calendar here because this will likely be after this comes out. But it's going to be. Look now, I think it's like the twenty. It is the twenty seventh of September. Oh, awesome! House Arts Theater. We're going to do round two. We'll be the featured band of the Battle of the Bands. That's round two of the thing I'm judging. Round one of tomorrow night. Cool. So we're looking forward to that. I really that's a really promising venue that you don't get tons of opportunities to play at. So yeah, I'm excited about that. That's gonna be fun. Uh and it's again it's good to see the pavilion, you know, happening again. I'm glad CJ is undertaking that again, that he's he's leading the charge there. And I think he's in charge now at Gus's too in, uh, of the entertainment. Uh so I'm glad to see his smiling face at the bar. Yeah, no, no, I I'm really excited. I, I don't know CJ well, but I know him through the podcast a little bit and a few small interactions watching some shows. I, I definitely uh, happy to hear somebody's running things that I'm aware is a fan of all that stuff too. Much to your point, like it's important for the people doing it to kind of know what they're doing. No offense to anybody, but yeah, sometimes if people aren't, if they don't have their finger on the pulse, they might miss the point sometimes. Yeah, and that's the thing with, you know, young people being directly involved and having ownership of all ages shows. Like there's, you know, uh, up, you know, in Sydney now there's there's young young people starting to put shows on again. And they have some support from from some older folks in the scene, but like mm-hmm. the the young folks are in the driver's seat and, and picking the talent and and picking the venues and all that and and so like I think that's really important. I think it's really important to keep young people involved in all aspects of the shows. Mm-hmm for people of my generation or whatever, just sort of provide support. Like, you know, if you're, if you, if you can go talk to the, somebody on, on the board of the church hall, they want to rent or whatever, that kind of thing, like provide that kind of support. But yeah, I think it's really important for, you know, and, and CJ is like, obviously like well beyond his high school years now. Um, yeah. But, uh, but in general, like, yeah, it's, it, it's 
really, really necessary, I think, to make sure that like there are young people directly involved in, in producing the shows as well, and then to have some ownership of the shows. Yeah, no, it's very promising. I say everything, everything old is new again. So maybe we'll see CV locals come back too. Maybe, maybe the timing is right. Is there a song that you would like to play off with for those that have stuck around to see if they could hear a new gem? Let's do, uh, let's do Oh My. Perfect. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's one of the two that are available that you can go listen to on. Um, we haven't really picked a single yet. I don't. I, again, I just kind of like made two songs available, and I guess if there is a single, it's it's one of those two songs. I mean, Oh My, I think is the more radio friendly of the two. It's a little more accessible, a little bit of a pop song. It has little tiny moments of dissonance that were mistakes that I left it on purpose almost. Like there's there's a little turn, there's a little bit of like it's just like ah something doesn't sound right, but then it resolves to this like this nice G chord and like and the line where it happens is like it's not fine. There's like a, it's so it kind of like. I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, that part is wrong. I should, I should re- retrack it. And then the more I listened to it, then I was like, no, I kind of like it there. I kind of like that it kind of like there's a little bit of tension, and then it resolves to a nice open G chord, the most satisfying thing you can do on a guitar, you know, arguably. So, so yeah. So that's so other than than a brief moment of dissonance that a song can have as a treat, it's it's probably the more radio friendly of the two. So let's let's go with Oh My. Awesome. And looking forward to catching it live at some point in the foreseeable future. So maybe that September date, I've been talking about all ages shows in the pavilion for two years now and saying how I wish it was around and now it is and you're playing there. So I guess I'll see you at that show. Awesome. I'll see you there. All right. Thank you. And uh, everyone stick around for your musical treat and uh, there should be links down below. Thanks again. Oh, 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 oh,